0: We're going to be in John chapter 1 today, the Gospel of John, and I'll give you a moment to get there. So we've addressed a couple different cop- topics over the last couple weeks. Thanksgiving was one. We had Thanksgiving, and then we talked about prayer last week, and uh, that was really well received. You know, um, prayer is a powerful thing, and sometimes as a, as a pastor you think, well, you know, we, we know about prayer, and, uh, um, but it was really received well. In fact, it's one of our top uh, messages that's been listened to online, so, um, so it's good. Uh, I'm encouraged by that. So if you missed it, it's there. And uh, talking just about prayer, what prayer is, different types of prayer, and what uh, Paul calls us to do in a word to Timothy. So this Sunday, we're going to turn our attention towards Advent, and Advent means what? What does Advent mean? What does Advent mean? We use that term. It means coming. So so we talk about Christ coming to earth. That's the Advent season. And there's actually an Advent calendar. It starts so many days before Christmas. Um, But Advent talks about His coming to earth, but it actually even infers His second coming when Christ will come again for His church, right? Uh, and establish his kingdom here on earth so um, advent encompasses christmas but it also points to when christ will return again all right so it celebrates that and when jesus comes again and what i just have in my notes here is that um you know he'll rule and reign jerusalem so the last part of the book of isaiah in the old testament there um really talks about jesus the messiah coming to rule and reign on earth and And just how he's going to be able to be a king that will be able to rule with peace. You know, wow. And you just look at our world and even like the Middle East and Israel and in our world and the turmoil that is there. And we pray for peace. But Jesus will actually be one that will come and He will rule with peace, and uh, He'll be the Prince of Peace. So when Isaiah talks about He'll be the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, that's really referring to that time period where He will come and rule and reign with us here on earth. So there's four Gospels in uh, your New Testament, all right, And they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so they... um, Two of them record the events of the actual birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, and then um, John talks about um, Jesus coming, but it is more in a philosophical and a theological way, okay, and more in a way that we would say maybe incarnation, all right And so um, that word incarnation. I know you all use that quite a bit in your your daily week, right? but if, you're, if you have Spanish, you probably hear that a lot when you order food, right? The carn, right? right? If it has carn in it, it means it has what in it? Meat, right? So, he was clothed with flesh, right? That's what the incarnation, God was clothed in flesh. And so, that's kind of where we get that word from. All right. So, John is a little more philosophical and theological. He doesn't talk about baby Jesus, okay? He doesn't talk about Mary and Joseph. But he talks about the Word becoming flesh. So that's where we are going to be at here uh, this morning. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And uh, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it is alive and active and working in our hearts and our lives. Um, We pray that in these moments, Lord, you'd make it come alive to us. And uh, teach us, guide us, direct us. And Lord, more than anything, Lord, help us to know you better. And to worship you. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. One second here. God, just had a little commercial there. All right. All right, let's look at this together. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It says, in the beginning was the word. Okay, and you notice that that word, word, is what capitalized in many of your translations, right? So the, the Greek word there is logos, and you maybe have heard that word before, logos. And it means, it was a Greek word, but it, it was a little bit unique in that it wasn't just, what, what Paul was getting at is the word became flesh. Are you getting it? So, the embodiment of who God is and his word, this became flesh and lived amongst us, okay? So, the word in the beginning was the word. So, we learn from there. We're going to learn a couple things, but he was in the beginning, all right? And the word was what? With God, right? And the word was God. So we're gonna, we'll dissect that a little bit more. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. So he was there at creation. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And if you go into Proverbs, there's a chapter that talks about that wisdom was with God in the beginning and helped him to lay out the foundations of the earth. I think wisdom in that context was a personification referring to Christ himself. Verse um, 4. In him was life, Zoe, Okay, we get our word zoo and zoology from that. Uh, we have a Zoe that attends our church, and so I always give her, uh, tease her about that a little bit, but it means life, right? It means life. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, There was a man sent from God, his name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. So John the Baptist, right? And he himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. and He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Kind of interesting concept though. He created the world, but the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, He came to, into which was not his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, yet to all who received Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor human will, but born of God. And so it's John that we get John 3.16, for God to so love the world, right? That He gave His one and only Son. And we also get that passage with Nicodemus in chapter 3 where um, he talks about being born again. Alright, verse 14, and here we got it. The Word became what? Flesh. It was clothed with flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And I've talked about that, that it's so important that as believers that we lead with grace and follow it up with truth. Right? If we lead with, if we lead with um, truth and then try to follow up with grace, it doesn't work. Because truth often offends Truth often hits people too hard and we need grace and then we follow it up with truth. That's what Jesus did. He showed compassion and then he followed it up with truth. Alright, verse 15. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke when I said, he comes after me, has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, out of the fullness, and okay, who was born first? John was, wasn't he? So he was referring to that, hey, he was from the very beginning, right? He's not talking about natural birth here. He's talking about time and existence. Verse 16, out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. Wow, so grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law that was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who himself, God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So there's a lot packed into these 18 verses. We're not going to be able to dissect it all, but I think there's a few things that I I would like us to pull out here concerning Advent, concerning Jesus becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. The first thing that we can note here is found in verses 1 through 2 is that Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully God. All right. He wasn't a half a version of God. He wasn't a little bit less than God. He is fully God. That means that He was with God in the beginning, John says. He's eternal. Okay, Always has been and always will be. Wrap your brain around that one. He's equal with God. He's not less than. He is God. Um, and so... Jesus is called God's son, and so some ways this helps us, and some ta- some ways I think it can hurt us. Right? Why? Because when we think of a son, we think of that they're born later than the father. Right? Right? And we think that you know, father is maybe should have greater honor than the son, maybe. Right? And, and so sometimes those those uh, descriptions can sometimes hurt our understanding of who God is. God, Jesus is the son of God. But he's also equal with God. He always has been, always will be. He has no beginning and he has no end. He's eternal. And I know that truth, but that is still the one that I have a hard time fully understanding and wrapping my brain around, right? Why? Because everything that we see, everything that we see, has a beginning and an end. right? Everything. It has a shelf life, it's temporary. But He always has been and He always will be. And maybe when we get to heaven, we'll have a better understanding of that, alright? right. And so when we talk about the Trinity, Trinity is a word that is not found in Scripture. We see it throughout Scripture. But it is one God, one being, existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus is baptized, okay, That's recorded in the Gospels. We see all three present at the same time, right? Jesus is there. He's baptized in water. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove. And how is the Father represented? The voice from heaven. All three are present. And so it is a term that we use, one God existing in three persons. This is what other passages say in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Chris will have these up on the screen. You're, you can follow along in your version as well. But uh, just some that underscore what John is saying here. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So He is God. For in Him all things were created, things on earth and heaven, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn among the dead. In other words, He was the first one to be raised from the dead, giving us the hope of the resurrection ourselves. So that in everything He might be supreme. Supremacy. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all the fullness, His fullness, dwell in Him. Again, He's fully God. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things in this earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. This is what Hebrews says. This is what the author of Hebrews says. It says, In the past God spoke to us through our ancestors, through the prophets, and many times in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by his, His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things. Through Him... And through whom we also, he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. In other words, he is just, he's God in every way, shape and form, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. And so he became much more superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. So they were having issues with worshiping angels. We see that Jesus was fully God, but that's what makes it a little interesting, right? What John says. He was fully God. So the second point is that he was also what? He was also fully human. And so Jesus' scripture calls him the God-man, right? The God-man. He was fully God and he was fully human. How can he do that? How can he do that? In order for Jesus to become the Son of God and come in the flesh, he had to be clothed with flesh, which means that he had to set aside some godly attributes so that he could be fully human, right? So you can't be fully human and be able to have superpowers, right? Right? can't do that. Jesus never ceased to be God or ceased to withhold those things. He said that he could have called 10,000 angels when he went to the cross. But he didn't. He submitted to being in an earthly human body. And he was obedient to the Father so that God could be glorified and he could bring salvation to us. So he set aside some Godly really attributes. And that's where we get that term incarnation. He became flesh. Um, so it meant that he was limited to a human body. He was not all-powerful right but he could still do miracles through the through the holy spirit right just like you and i he wasn't all knowing he didn't know all things but he still communicated with the father this is what john 5:19 says so if you skip ahead a few chapters he says jesus said to them verily truly i tell you the son can do nothing by himself he can only do what he sees his father doing Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Also does the Son. And so, as Jesus was communicating with the Father, He was working in obedience, in alignment, in sequence with the Father. He was confined to an earthly body, therefore He couldn't be all places at once. I haven't been able to figure that out, right? I can only be one place at once, right? Which meant that Jesus could only be in one place at once. And so he had to give up that attribute of being everywhere at once. God is spirit, right? But in order for him to fulfill this role, he had to be clothed in flesh and be confined to a body and dwell amongst us. So at no point did he ever cease to be God, but he set those aside. This is what Paul says in Philippians It just underscores all this. It says, Who being in the very nature God, so they're underscoring that Jesus was fully God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Um, Some translations say to be grasped. What does that mean? It wasn't like God said to the Son, He says, I want you to go to earth. And He goes, No! I'm not going to do it! You know, clawing, just saying, you know, holding on to it, grasping it. I'm not going to let it go. I like heaven. I like the luxury. I like being everywhere at once. I like knowing all things. I like my all powerfulness. He did not jealously hold on to it, but surrendered it so he could fulfill the role of coming to earth. Are you following me? Rather than he made himself nothing, very literally he emptied himself, taking the very form of a servant, the nature of a servant. It's not even just coming to earth, folks but even to take on the attribute of being a servant. Logan, you're up in the sound booth this morning. You know, Logan was up there and he happened to look and he saw Karen at the door. And he just ran over there, opened up the door for her so she could come in. I didn't say a word. I I just thought that was so good, Logan. Just that servant's heart to see something that needed to be done, and he went and did it. That's a good quality. And that's what Jesus did for us, right? He became a servant. He even washed his disciples' feet. They were kind of saying, oh, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, unless you're willing to be a servant, you have no right in my kingdom, right? Verse 8. Being found in an appearance of a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that wasn't an easy thing for God, was it? It wasn't an easy thing for Jesus. It says that he, he sweat like drops of blood, It was such an intense moment because he wasn't spared from the pain, the humiliation in his human body. He experienced all that just like we would. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus everyone, knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen? So theology in the early days... Of church history had to wrestle with these two theological truths that god was jesus was fully god and he was fully human and they had to wrestle with that so he had two kind of false teachings right one would emphasize his divinity yeah he was he was fully god but in order to do that he couldn't be human and so he was just a ghost he was a spirit a phantom that people saw a hologram but he actually wasn't a person in the flesh so there was teachings about that. There's others that emphasize his humanity, and so in order to do that, he couldn't be fully God. So he was a good man. He was a prophet, but he wasn't fully God. But according to Scripture, Jesus was fully God and is fully human. And John underscores that he was the God-Man, and by doing so, it leads to our third point. It allowed Jesus. To live amongst us, to make his home amongst us. To dwell amongst us is what the NIV says, to dwell amongst us. The Old Testament term would be to dwell or to tabernacle amongst us. So the tabernacle was a tent they built in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt. For 40 years, they, they had this tabernacle, and for a while in Israel, until the Solomon's temple was built, they worshiped in a tabernacle. That word tabernacle really means to dwell in the midst of. And where was the tabernacle located? Right in the center of the 12 tribes of Israel. They would camp out around it, and Jesus, or well, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God was in the center. I believe that was a very specific picture for us, that God wants to be dwelling in the midst of our life right where we are at. He wants to be in the midst of where we're at. He made His home. He tabernacles in our world, in our heart, and in our life. It means that Jesus got His hands dirty with our dirt. So I was going to call the message Down and Dirty, and I just thought, um, He came down, He got His hands dirty, but um, I just didn't know how that would... can be read a few different ways, Right? But see, He did come down to where we were at. And He got His hands dirty in our dirt. He wasn't isolated from us. You know, people can live a fairly isolated life in our world. They can live in ivory towers and and not really interact with our world. But see, that wasn't Jesus. He was born into very humble circumstances. a manger, matter of fact, that's much more humble circumstances than many of you were born into. You were born into a sterile environment as best as they could in a hospital, right? He was born into a manger, but basically it was a, uh, a horse, yeah, yeah, horse trough, yeah. There was manure around, there was straw, very organic, right? Instead of being raised in luxury and privilege, he was born into those circumstances. He lived amongst us. He experienced and tasted our suffering. He tasted our pain. He tasted our frustrations. He tasted our rejection. He tasted our betrayal. You ever been betrayed? Jesus was by one of his close friends, a disciple, that he invested three years into. He tasted human limitations. He knew what it was to put in a full day's work plus then and be tired and exhausted. He knew what that was like. He knew what it was to look at the cross and to know the pain that lied ahead. He knew what sorrow meant. When Mary came to Him with the death of Lazarus, it says that He did what? He wept, right? Right? Tears. How often have you gone to God in prayer thinking that God, you just don't understand? You don't understand my feelings of loneliness, rejection, emotional hurt, betrayal, my desire to be heard or valued. Or maybe you've come to Him and said, God, you don't understand the physical pain that I'm in, my suffering. My sickness and disease. Or God, you don't understand my struggle with sin and living a holy life in a sinful world. Hebrews says he was tempted, right? He was even tempted by Satan himself in the wilderness. Or God, you don't understand death. Whether it is my fear of death or processing the grief of a loved one. But here's the deal, folks. Jesus understands all those things because he walked where we walked. He was not spared from those very things. And he gets us. You ever seen those commercials? He gets us. Um, This is what Hebrews says again. I love Hebrews. Blends the Old and New Testament together. 414 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, referring to Jesus, who ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. You tie a knot and you hold on. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. How often somebody shares a problem with us and says, Man, you know, I, I know where you're at, and we've never experienced it ourselves. Sometimes we have. But I think it's it, it's not very truthful of us when we somebody has gone through a difficult time that we haven't walked through ourselves, and we say, "Yeah, I get it." Right now, if you've been there, then you can say, "I get it." But see, Jesus walked where we walked. He's been tempted in every, every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Therefore, let us what approach the throne of grace with confidence, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This leads to our last point. Jesus is the hope of the world. What in the world just happened? Not again. But see, He became the light of the world, the hope of the world, so that we would know where we were going. Right? It says that God's Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um... I don't know if you've ever been lost in the dark, but if you've ever been lost in the dark, I was just recently lost in the dark trying to track a deer. You can turn them back on, Logan. Totally turned around. It was cloudy out, and I even had a flashlight, but I was totally turned around in, in an area that I know very well in the daylight. But I was totally turned around. You know, we can get, oh, man, in a dark world, sometimes we can totally lose our compass. You know what helped me out that night? The clouds moved away and I could see the stars and the moon. And it's kind of like, all of a sudden, when that happened, I knew where I was at. But without them to guide me and direct me, I was was just turned around. I was going in circles, literally. And that is so true. Sometimes in our life, we can get so lost in the darkness of this world that we go in circles. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the hope of the world. He came with grace and truth. And He came in the flesh to show us the way to the Father. He was the living Word of God. He taught us with the truth. He guided us. He showed us how to live. And in a fallen world where there's sickness, disease, and suffering, wars, and hostility, Jesus is the light that points us back to the Father. Amen? I'm going to have the musicians come. From John, we don't get all the details, Mary and Joseph, the angels and the shepherds, the wise men and the star, Simeon and Anna and the temple. But what we do get from John is why God sent His Son to earth. Why did God send His Son to be clothed in flesh to live amongst us? And what it means to us. You know, John is described as the disciple that Jesus loved, right? Right? There was a connection between John and Jesus that was beyond the other eleven. He was the only disciple that would not be martyred. They would try killing him, poisoning him, according to church tradition. Uh, But that didn't work. He would die on the island of Patmos. That's where he would write his final letter to the churches of Asia. And it is called the Book of Revelations, right? Powerful book. And he talks about be ready because Christ is going to return. From John, we learn that Jesus is fully God. He was feel, fully human. He made his home amongst us. He dwelt among us. And he is the hope of the world. And today, why did God send his son to dwell amongst us? One, so that we could have know that God wasn't just up there. I'm glad He's up there. I'm glad He's all-powerful. I'm glad He answers prayer. But it's also assuring to me that God, the Son of God, walked amongst me, walked on this earth, understands me, gets me, knows what I'm struggling with, whether it's temptation, whether it's with tiredness, whether it's with suffering, pain, frustration, defeats, victories. He gets all that. And He came and as a light in a dark world. Sometimes it can seem pretty dark, but He's the light. We have to keep our eyes on that light. He came to give life, joy, hope, and peace to us. We're going to close with a worship song. Uh, It was really impressed upon my heart, just worship. And I don't know what God wants to do through our worship and our praise, but I believe that... um, Maybe he wants to set you free from something this morning. Maybe there's some things that God wants to, uh, whether it's despair, whether it's uh, addictions, whether it is, um, I don't know. I think God wants to break some things in our life just through praise. As we worship him, that God sent his son and who he is. Uh, so would you stand this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. And then I want to just call us to worship and to praise and that God sent His Son. And just let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning um, and guide, guide that worship time in your own life. Would you pray with me this morning? If you, if you haven't, I'm going to invite everybody to pray. But if you're listening online or if you're here today and you just haven't made that commitment to Christ, um, today could be your day. So say, Dear God, Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Cleanse me of of any disobedience. Disobedience. Come into my heart. heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. And And help me to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's take a few moments just to worship him this morning. Thank Him that God sent His Son. Lord, this morning, I pray that you go with us throughout this week. Uh, Lord, you are the light of the world, and you've placed that light within us. You've placed that light within us. We are the city on the hill. Lord, you've, you've placed that light within us that life, the light, that we can be the presence of God to the world around us, Lord. And Lord God, let us lead with that. Let us, let your presence go before us. And Lord God, I I realize not every day as we wake up and jump out of bed. (laughs) This morning wasn't one for me. But Lord God, just as we worship and we praise you, you prepare the way for us. You usher in your presence. You usher in your, your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And Lord God, that is what our world needs to see because they're going in circles and they need somebody with the light of Christ in their life to point them the way to God. And so, Lord God, fill us with Your presence. Fill us with Your hope. That's what Christmas is all about, Lord. You send in Your Son to live amongst us. And Lord God, go with us. May your face shine upon us, and may you be with us. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, we ask it in your precious name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Praise God. God bless this morning. Greet each other as you leave, and uh, shake a hand. God bless this morning.